to the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com, with your hosts Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops, bringing you all the guys who should be on your fantasy radar this season and leading into your upcoming rookie draft. Welcome to another edition of the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. Folks, we have been tackling each position over the last, I'd say, month and a half. We did the quarterbacks, we did the running backs, we did a, a couple episodes on the running backs, a couple episodes on the wide receivers. Last week, we covered the tight ends. Folks, we are going to reevaluate the quarterback position. Our last episode aired on September 23rd, so we're looking at a little over... About five or six weeks since the last time we kind of reevaluated the quarterback position. So what we're going to do today is we're going to cover the one guy that we have that has moved up our rankings and one guy that has moved down. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime here, Stoops. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to to go a little bit more in depth with this one. Um, had a lot of fun on all the the positional you know episodes we did, especially the quarterback one. Um, they're the they're the the ones that run the offense essentially. You know they they get everyone where they need to be. So to to dive a little bit deeper into it and touch base on some guys that moved up or moved down, it's, it's going to be exciting. It is very exciting because as we've seen with the season as it's progressed, teams need quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like if you look at some of the best teams in the NFL right now, if you look at a Houston's in first place, they have their franchise quarterback. You've got New England, they've got their fra- franchise quarterback. Obviously, Buffalo looks like they have their franchise quarterback. Um, you know, Kansas City, obviously, with Mahomes hurt, they're still in first place. So all four teams in first place have that franchise quarterback. Then you flip over to the NFC. You've got San Francisco, who might have their franchise quarterback. Obviously, Seattle has theirs. You know, the Saints have theirs. Uh, Green Bay, you know, obviously. And then, of course, you have Dallas and Philadelphia, who have theirs. If you look at the top teams in the NFL right now, they're led by their quarterback. You know what I mean? It's... We consistently say that everybody does. Oh, it's just a quarterback position. It is, but it's a very quarterback-driven league. And there's a lot of bad teams this year in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of, like, under 500 teams. It's kind of crazy how it's segregated this year between teams that are just underachieving. Like, you think teams that come to mind are, like, the Bears and Trubisky. I'm happy that's mm-hmm. happening. You've got the Falcons that are really underachieving this year. You've got the Bucks, which surprising, not really surprising. The Rams have been kind of underachieving. But you have a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, and it's it's a it's a quarterback heavy draft. So I'm kind of excited to kind of dive into that and kind of talk about some of these teams that need quarterbacks and where maybe we think some of these guys fit. And then at the end of the episode, Stoops and I are going to revisit our top ten rankings and give you our newest, latest top ten quarterback rankings. So I'm pretty excited about this episode. Um, as Stoops knows, and he knows very, very well that I do love the quarterback position and I love talking about the quarterback position. So I'm very excited about this episode, Stoops. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say um, before we get get into that is, man, Lamar um, Lamar Jackson, man, he he's he's guy that I'll be the first to tell you I I didn't see him transitioning very well now. And we touched base on this um, through text message where it almost seems like a lot of NFL. Um, oh my gosh. Franchises now are almost molding their system to the quarterback and not necessarily drafting a quarterback to fit their system. They kind of switch things around and make it work. And Baltimore, man, they've, they've made it work for Lamar Jackson and he's a, he's a talented quarterback. There's nothing taking, I'm not taking anything away from him, but watching him against that Patriots defense, which has realistically made a lot of quarterbacks look pretty bad. Not that they've played anyone, you know, overly special so far. They've kind of had a, an easier schedule compared to some other teams, but nonetheless, that defense has looked scary good and he made them look very mediocre very mediocre. He did. And I'll be the I'll be the first one to jump on that bandwagon. And I'll be the first to say that was wrong. I mean, do, is it sustainable? I don't know. I mean, I think the biggest thing moving forward will be is that they'll have to beat New England again. And we all know how yes. Belichick is when he has to face a team again. And that's just that's just the way the man coaches. But he just he did. He made the defense look very pedestrian. And it was very impressive to see what he was able to do that. I think that he is improved vastly and I have talked about how I criticize his ability to maybe throw the ball and he has thrown some beautiful beautiful passes this year where I've kind of been like and that's the thing though like some of these guys like if you look at let's just and and I don't mean to go too far in depth but like if you look like a guy like Jalen Hurts if he 
maybe you look at him and you're like, well, man, if he ends up in the right system, maybe he can be that guy in the next level. I'm not so high on Hurts as everybody else, but you're right. If they're conforming their offense to the, the to the weapons and utilizing the quarterback for his strengths and or weaknesses, maybe he can perform on that next level the way this Lamar Jack the way Lamar Jackson is. Colin Murray, I mean, he's looked very impressive this year. The team, they're three and five. I mean, they're three, five, and one, which is, I think, a lot better than some people kind of expected out of them because yep. their defense is terrible, like very terrible. But I think Kyle Murray is the franchise quarterback of that future. You know what I mean? So I think they're set up at quarterback too. But if they fit their system along the lines of what their that quarterback is, his skill set is, there's a chance for success with a lot of different quarterbacks that maybe wouldn't have been so successful maybe five years ago. Well, and, and, and I've said it before. I think I even said it on the previous quarterback episode where I've always been in that mindset of NFL-style quarterback, NFL-style quarterback, someone's yeah. just a pocket passer, hangs in there. Watching a Kyler Murray, watching a Lamar Jackson, um, even, you know, um, Dak's not as much of a, a runner. He will run, he can run, but like a um, Deshaun, um, Deshaun Watson, quarterbacks like that are really changing my mindset and, and forcing me to reevaluate how I'm looking at a quarterback. So to your point, like a Jalen Hurts, someone who is, he is a pass first, but he can run the ball very, very well. So it's, it's, it's definitely changing my mindset and, and, and making me reevaluate how I look at him as a quarterback that can fit into the NFL, you know, on the NFL less. Will a team need to change its schemes a little bit to fit him? Yeah, they will. But at the same time, like, Teams are showing willingness to do that if the right team takes him, which obviously a team's not going to take him if they don't believe in him and they don't think he can make it work. But it's watching these quarterbacks on the NFL levels that are doing what they're doing. It, it's it's changing my my view on a lot of uh, the quarterbacks at the college level right now and how they'll transition. I agree 100. percent That's and that's why when I, I was trying to reevaluate my quarterback position and and Hertz has been very impressive this year. And it's like, all right, so maybe – and I feel the same and, – and I know that this is not the popular opinion, but I feel the same way about Tua. I think Tua has to be in a very, very like strategically placed offense. You know what I mean? I feel like you have your top guys. I think that you have like your, your Herberts, your Eason, your Burrow – those guys, I think, can kind of fit into any real pro-style offense. And Tua is kind of like that. But I don't know. I just feel like they so he needs to go. So I don't think he can just go to Miami and be good. I, I, I stand behind that. And if I, a year from now, if he gets drafted by Miami and Miami wins, he wins Rookie of the Year, then I'll say, look, I was wrong about Tua. And I'm not saying that Tua is going to be bad. I just don't know if I see him on that next level. I think that the right team has to draft to it, and they do. I think they can bring out his skill set that he's very good at. But I need to see that man perform with not five-star athletes sitting next to him okay. every single week, and that's the big thing for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, folks, what we're going to do now, all right, we kind of went on a quarterback tangent, which is it just shows your excitement about this. So right now we're going to dive right in to the guys that we think have moved up and moved down in our rankings. All right, like I said, Stoops, we're going to talk about a guy who's rised up your rankings. Um, who are you going to talk about today? So the guy that I'm going to talk about that's moved up my ranking um, is Jamie Newman, a uh, quarterback out of Wake Forest. He's really, really impressed me this year. When you look at his numbers, you know, every quarterback, especially at the college levels, had had some down games. And against North Carolina, he only had 53.8 completion percentage, one touchdown and one interception. But you look at his game against um, some other top talents out there. Um, you know, like again, for Utah State, for example, not that they're necessarily top of the line, but 401 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, also had 34 rushing yards and one touchdown in that game. He counted for 21 first downs in that game. We've been saying it since since very, very early on. Um, once we really, really got in-depth with this Expand the Box Score um, website, that first down, it, it's a big thing we always look at. And he's got 101 first downs on the season. Um, that's passing and rushing first downs altogether. So he's definitely been someone who is able to find the, the, the first down marker, whether, again, whether it's passing through the air um or rushing on the ground he's got 303 rushing yards and five total rushing touchdowns so for someone who doesn't necessarily 
lot of recognition. People have talked about him. If you look at, you know, you, you follow on Twitter. Um, so people have definitely been mentioning his name, but he's not in the top notch conversations, but he's definitely moving up my rankings. Um, so kind of get back to that passing aspect of it. 2,059 yards on the season, 67.2 completion percentage, uh, 20 passing touchdowns with only five interceptions. So to me, that's, that's a, it's a very solid, you know, pass to, um, touch touchdown to interception ratio. And as I mentioned on the rushing side, 303 total yards, five touchdowns um, accounts for 101 first downs. He does have four fumbles um, on the season, but if you look at some other quarterbacks across the board, four is honestly not a whole lot compared to, and that's not necessarily four lost fumbles. That's just four fumbles in general, um, which is a number I like to look at a little bit more because that does show, you know, how to take care of the ball. Um, there's some quarterbacks out there that have nine, 10 fumbles on the season. You know, again, they may have only lost two of them, but that's, that's not the point. If you lose that many onto the ground, it's, you just never know what's going to happen. So he's only got four on the, on the year. Um, but he's accounting for 2,362 total yards on the season. Um, very, very productive inside the red zone. Um, this is another number that we've definitely been looking at um, throughout the season for, for quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, you name it. The red zone is definitely something we look at pretty heavily. He's got a 64.9 completion percentage, and that's inside the red zone for 270 yards. 11 of his 20 touchdowns have come inside the red zone, and he only has thrown two interceptions inside the red zone as well. So once those pockets start to get a little bit tighter and the, the windows are smaller, throw into the, to the receivers, tight ends, or anybody on that field um he's still taking care of the ball not really throwing any any interceptions which is phenomenal 26 rushing attempts inside the red zone 52 uh rushing yards and then all five of his rushing touchdowns have been inside the red zone so he's definitely not one to to be afraid of you know if that pocket is, is collapsing and the receivers are covered he's definitely going to tuck it and run um not afraid to do that which is awesome we love seeing that too and he's got 14 first downs inside the red zone so man i just i just love what i'm seeing out of him and he's got some talent on that team and i post and not to go on a a, a different positional tangent but i i posted out that tweet um where it was player a player b kind of thing and sage surratt he was that player a that i posted out and it was against C.D. Lamb, and I was pretty shocked to see how lopsided it was. But that's why, for me, it's kind of fun to see these stats with no names to it because you know as well as I do. If I put Sage Surratt stats, C.D. Lamb stats, they're going to go with C.D. Lamb because he's the more recognizable name. But, you know, it's just fun to see that stuff. But Sage Surratt's clearly his, his favorite target on that field. So Jamie Newman looks for him early and often. But, man, he's just putting up some serious numbers and, and just definitely looking very, very solid on the field. I love what I'm seeing. So he's my move. He's my guy that I had moved up my rankings. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. And I am about to throw this whole podcast for a loop because I had, I had thought about a guy all week that I wanted to talk about. And I was getting ready to the last two days. I wanted to, um, I was kind of diving in a little bit here and there. And I was like, all right, well, you know, who do I want to talk about? I, I want to talk about somebody different. I want to talk about somebody that we haven't talked about, that I haven't mentioned. And my initial guy I was going to talk about was KJ Costello, which I really liked what he did coming out the gate with his first game. And um, I've really enjoyed watching him play this year. Um but the guy I'm actually going to talk about who moved up my rankings this year, and I have not really, um, I have not really talked about it at all, and that's Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Um, look, he, Mike Leach is is he just you know he's a killer with these quarterbacks. You know what I mean? He he runs a great offense and and high powered offense. I mean, this guy has had some monster games, <laughs> monster games this year. I mean, he even had nine touchdown passes against UCLA, um, which is an absurd, absurd number of touchdowns. I mean, this guy's had multiple touchdown games, three-plus touchdown games in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of his nine games that he started this year. Um, there is a few knocks on him, obviously. Um, he's got a slow velocity um, when he's when he's getting the ball out of the pocket. He, he's not great in the pocket. He's got a little bit of mobi mobility, but not a whole lot. But I'll be honest with you, this is one of those guys that I was talking about earlier that I think that if he's in the right offense, maybe he gets a year or two um, to learn. I, I don't know what it is, man. I've, I've watched a lot of, lot of tape about this guy, and I have seen so much good. And don't get me wrong, I've seen some bad. He's, he's got raw potential, I think. And obviously, this is his first year as a starter, and it's not 
it, it hasn't been perfect. I mean, he does have nine picks. He's got 32 touchdowns, nine picks, 3,387 yards, but he does have a 70% completion percentage, which is very, very impressive when you're throwing the ball as much as this kid is. He's thrown the ball 48 plus times in uh, six of his eight games, and it's actually in six straight games he's thrown the ball 48 plus times. Um, he's completing his completion percentage on, on, in the game against, um, Houston, he threw the ball 48 times. He completed 75% of those passes that it's just, uh, it's insane what he's doing. And I know it's a high volume. Okay. I will also say this Minshew has been a pretty respectable quarterback this year. He's had, he's very hit and miss, um, coming from the, you know, basically kind of the same style offense as well. Um, I like this kid. I, I again, I mean there's some stats that kind of jump off the jump off the radar for me whenever we were kind of dissecting certain stats. In the red zone, I'd like to see him to protect the ball a little bit better. In the red zone, he does have two picks. Um that kind of does bother me a little bit. Obviously, we talk about that here a lot. Um but in the red zone, he's completing almost he's completing 57% of his passes, but he's got 20 touchdowns in the red zone to his two picks. So, I mean, you're talking about uh, 65-70% of his touchdown passes are coming in the red zone. Um, I, I love it. I, I love his stats. I love the way he can. He's got a nice bo- He's got a nice build, 6'3", 210. He's not, tall- he's not the tallest quarterback, but 6'3", is a pretty nice build for for him. Um, I-, I look at his stats in between the numbers. Um, you know, second down, he's got a – second down and medium, he's got a 72% completion ratio. I mean, on third and short, he's got a 70% completion ratio. On fourth and short, he's looking at an 83% completion ratio. Um, I, I like the numbers. Um, the numbers add up. And you can say, all right, you know, he plays in a high high impact, very fast, very hard – you know, very fast moving uh, offense. And, and that is 1,000% can be said. But if I'm looking at somebody, if I'm looking at a team um, that is looking to maybe develop a quarterback, if you're looking at maybe, uh, to be honest with you, my ideal fit for Anthony Gordon is the Indianapolis Colts. I think that if he had the opportunity to sit behind Brissett and kind of just do his thing um, and and learn from Frank Wright, I think that he would be perfect in that offense. I think this is, Anthony Gordon is going to be the perfect guy that sits for a year or two and really makes an impact in this league in a couple of years. I don't think it's going to be a right away thing. I, I don't think this is something that's going to happen overnight. This is his first full season at quarterback. I understand that. But if we're looking about some of the moving and shakers of the draft coming up, the bottom half of the bottom 10, you know, if you're looking through six through 10 and it's really seven through 10 for me, the quarterback position is really rough. And I was talking to Supes about this a little bit off the air. I was looking for guys to move up and down my charts. And to be honest with you, the top tier, it there was some fluctuation in both Stoops and I's top tier. But the seven through 10, I had such a hard time with because like guys like Nate Stanley, Steve Montez, those guys, even Costello, beyond last week's you know impressive performance, Sam Ellinger, who I'll talk about a little bit later, those guys have looked really rough this year. So if you look at a guy like Anthony Gordon, who can come out here, he's a senior, you know, he's a redshirt senior. Let's say he has a nice pro day. Let's say he has a good combine, whatever it is that he's, you know, whatever he's going out there and doing. I mean, the way he's playing, he's playing his way into the conversation of being invited to, you know, all of these events. So if you're looking at that that way, and you're looking at some of these guys, because like I said, the main the names I mentioned, Matez, you know, uh, Stanley, you know, Ellinger, these guys that might come out, some of them, you know, like Ellinger might come back for a senior year. He might, I, I think, I'd probably highly recommend it at this point. But mm-hmm. for me, when you're looking at the bottom tier of these guys, a guy like Anthony Gordon, who you might be willing to take a risk on over some of these other guys that just continuously disappoint, you might hit the jackpot. Now, don't get me wrong. Anthony Gordon could be, you know, out of the league in five years. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this guy has got raw potential, and watching him play has been really fun. That's a fun up, you know, up tempo offense that. You know, it's it, you. You remember the days of Mike Leach? Uh, what was he at Texas Tech? If I Texas remember correctly, Tech. right? That offense was so much fun to watch. You know what I mean? So, does that play part of the factor? Sure, but at the same time, I think I like the the raw ability that Anthony Gordon does show on the football field. So, Stoops, I didn't mean to throw a curveball on you. 
Um, but uh, that was a big one. So Anthony Gordon is definitely my guy that I have really enjoyed watching and watching him see him grow week in and week out um, as the season progresses. Um, it, it, I just like him, Stoops. I don't know what it is, man. It just, yeah. it, it's, he's, he's got the raw ability, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's one of those things where when you look at the quarterback position and you see quarterbacks who have thrown the ball countless amount of times, you kind of start to worry about that. And, and when I say this, I am not comparing these two at all. But when Patrick Mahomes came in, I was like, man, he went to Tech. He's thrown the ball, and I don't have the exact number, but he's thrown it 2,000 times. Like, his arm's going to fall off. Well, here we are. Certain people are just built a certain way. But when you look at Anthony Gordon's, you know, yeah, he's thrown the ball um, 397 times this year. But when you look at it, that's pretty much all he has. Like, you know, he hasn't thrown it too terribly much before that because he wasn't necessarily the starter. So it's one of those where he's showing what he is capable of doing. Um, and again, we've said this before for, for almost every position, timing is everything. And and when you come out and put up numbers like this, as you said, is it a high powered, fast paced offense? Yes, for sure. So the numbers are going to be inflated, but nonetheless, when you put up numbers like this, they're going to take notice. You know what I mean? You're going to get the invites to places that you really want to go because you're going to be against other top talented programs and be able to show what you are capable. And that's where it's going to really help or hurt him in the sense of, is he going to perform well? And if he does, that's going to boost his stock. Will he be a top drafted quarterback? No, not necessarily. Um, but it could definitely make a difference between being drafted in the, let's just say, fifth round fourth sixth round somewhere in that range to un or undrafted you know what i mean so he, he's definitely playing well and, and doing it at the right time so it's going to be interesting to see how how things you know continue to go for the rest of the season and what kind of invites and where he he ends up in that whole draft process yeah and the biggest thing that kind of stood out to me was like it wasn't like that nine touchdown game was against north colorado i mean he threw four touchdowns one pick in the north colorado game like he he had his numbers in that north colorado game that nine touchdown game was against ucla you know what I mean? Yep. Like, it wasn't just a, a, a slouch, you know, nobody team that he threw these touchdown passes against, you know? And I'm not saying LS, or UCLA has the best offense in the entire, you know, or best defense in the entire world. But that game was a high, you know, a high scoring, you know, game. And it was a fantastic game. And it was a shootout. And, and I don't know. It's just like I said, I mean, it's kind of impressive to see what, <clears throat> sorry. Lost my voice a little bit, but I mean the crazy thing yeah, you about it was blew my eardrum. I I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but for me, like I mean that game was just I mean that they they he scored 63 points in that game and his defense gave up 67. So it's like, what else did the yep. man need to do? You know what I mean? Like he's really I don't know. It's just been it's been very impressive. I mean he put up 35 on Oregon. He put up 34 on Arizona State, which is ranked 18. UCLA, like I said, he put up 63 against them. I mean, his only his only mediocre game to date was against Utah, and Utah's a ranked team too. And that was the only game that he had more interceptions than he did touchdowns. And, and that's if you're talking about one bad game out of out of you know the the nine that he's played, it's 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 some pretty good numbers to look at. And then on top of that, I mean, like I said, we do talk about turnovers here. He did have the four fumbles. It's crazy to me that in the UCLA game, where he had 130 points on the board, and somehow he managed to have four fumbles and two interceptions all in one game. Like, he has six turnovers in one game. and Or actually, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't even know. I can't even tell. I'm looking at the site right now, so I didn't even see if all four of those were lost or not. So that's my bad if I said anything wrong. But... Still, four fumbles, that's a lot. I agree, Stoops. When he said that, right. like I'm I don't even look at the fumbles lost anymore because you look at a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins had like sixteen fumbles last year. Well, he only lost three. Well, it doesn't matter. You're putting the ball on the ground, period. That means you it's have still you know, it could be lost yardage, it could it could be any any amounts of thing. Like you're not gaining yards necessarily when you fumble the ball. So yeah, it, it, it plays a huge factor whether it's lost or not. Yeah, a first and ten goes from a first and ten to a second and and 20 because you yep. because the ball flew out just because your offensive lineman dove on it and recovered it you know what i mean that's not the point you know what i'm saying so i agree with you 100% but anthony gordon i i look forward to seeing what he does over the next couple weeks um he was a very easy pick for me as a riser like i said i wanted to talk about costello but um gordon was somebody i wanted to talk about so 
yeah, let's go ahead and we're going to dive right into the guys that kind of have fallen down um, off of our rankings a little bit. All right, Stoops, who was your guy that has fallen down um, your rankings a little bit? Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of scared to hear who you're going to talk about because I know we talked about it a little bit off the air, but this guy it it kind of breaks our hearts a little bit. Yeah, this one really, really does break my heart. And and when we reveal the the updated top rankings, you'll see how far down he dropped. But um, talk about Jake Fromm um, out of Georgia. I do just want to start off. I do still love the guy. Obviously, he's still one of my my favorite prospects coming out. I think he's got amazing potential. If he again, we say this about everyone. If he goes to the right system, obviously that can be said about anybody and everybody. So it's kind of a, a cop out answer, I guess you could say. But man, just watching him play this year. Um, He's and I said it on Twitter too, but he just seems like a, a a game manager at this point, which again you can say about a lot of quarterbacks. But with Jake Fromm, it just it feels that that is the way to describe him. Um, but when I went and looked a little bit deeper into it, um, you look at the total play breakdown basically. So. 230 pass attempts to 310 rushing plays. Uh, so that's 540 total plays. So only 42.6 of the plays are going to be passing attempts while 57.4 are running. So they're getting DeAndre Swift the ball a lot. Again, they are getting him the ball and the, on the passing game as well. DeAndre Swift, that is. So he's on, he's seen on both sides of it, but he's a top talent. Not I'm not going on a Swift tangent. I'm just saying he's a top talent that they are getting the ball to as much as they possibly can. So that is also playing a, a role into why Jake Fromm has looked the way he has this year. Um, the stats for them are, are speaking for themselves as far as having a down season. He's never been a big eye popping numbers kind of guy, but he's only thrown for, for 1,685 yards, um, only 11 touchdowns with three interceptions. So for only having the amount of pass attempts, he's got 204 pass attempts on this season. Um, and he's still thrown more interceptions, which is, it's still, it's only three. I get that, but he's still thrown more interceptions than guys who have thrown the ball 350 plus times, 300 plus times. You know what I mean? So he's still just kind of making some decisions that I find, find pretty questionable. Um, he is not much of a runner. He, he will do it, but he, he's not very fast. Um, he's faster than Peyton Manning. So I'll give him that. Um, but most people are so, um, not that he's going to be anything level close to that level. I'm just Peyton Manning was a slow, slow man. Um, tied note. <laughs> If anybody has ESPN Plus and hasn't watched, um, what is it, Peyton's Place? Yeah. Hilarious. Watch it. It's hilarious. But anyway, and he jokes about how slow he is on there all the time. But anyway, um, Jake Fromm's only got 37 rushing yards on the season, um, zero rushing touchdowns, and he only accounts for 74 first downs. Um, I don't necessarily – yes, I do, actually. I'll say I've got DeAndre Swift stats down here. He's got 40 on his own, and he's the running back. So when you're talking about Jake Fromm being the quarterback who has the ball in his hands literally every play – whether it be to hand it off or throw it, nonetheless, it's in his hands. They're pretty close on that first down when you really look at the ratio and breakdown of everything. So um, he's got the five fumbles. So we talked about that as well. I'm not sure how many of them are truly lost, but he's put the ball on the ground um, multiple times. It's just, man, it's it just hurts my heart. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. Uh, um, only has 1,700, you know, right over 1,700 total yards on the season. Um, inside the red zone, he's he's got eight touchdowns, which is absolutely phenomenal. But his completion percentage, which we have, I myself for sure, have prided him on all season being a very accurate quarterback. It's only 58.1% uh, completion completion rate in the inside the red zone, only 113 passing yards. Again, eight touchdowns, that's awesome. No interceptions. Um but he's just not doing it inside the red zone again. DeAndre Swift is a beast, so he's kind of taking care of, of of everything you need to inside the red zone, um, or a lot of the stats are coming from inside the red zone for him as well. So when you look at it, and and I've kind of looked, I looked at LSU and Alabama's total breakdown as well, um, just because the the stats from a Joe Burrow, from a Tua. Um, I was curious. I was very curious as to where they kind of matched up. And they're essentially both 50-50. LSU and Alabama's play calls, they're 50-50 on it. So it's definitely helping them with their numbers. But Joe Burrow, Tua have just looked way, way better than Jake Fromm has up to date. Um, very much a game manager. Um, and it's it sucks to say that. But Georgia's kind of always been that way. But if you look at some previous quarterbacks – 
they've put up numbers. So the system's there. He is capable of doing it. Um, he hasn't. He didn't have Lawrence Cager. Um, he did this week, but last week he didn't have him. He's been his favorite target all season, so I think that definitely hurt um, in that previous game. Um, but again, you know, against Kentucky, that was just a god-awful game. Uh, the weather was not quarterback-friendly whatsoever. He only had 35 passing yards, um, 75% completion rate. But the weather was just terrible. But to me, that's still just it's 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 not an excuse to only have 35 passing yards. Um, only 12 attempts. But man, I did, I guess I've been so high on him for so long that I just expect a lot more out of him. Um, obviously, I have no call or no say in what the play calls will be. <laughs> um, if I did, I'd probably have him throw the ball a little bit more. Um, but man. I love the potential. I, I think he can still be a special quarterback on the next level, but he's definitely my, my, my guy who has dropped down in my rankings. Um, it breaks my heart to say, because again, he was my favorite quarterback going into the season. Um, I, I had him ranked number one, you know, when we, we touched base on the quarterback episode before. Um, but he's definitely my, my, my down, my down guy up to this point of the season. I think the biggest thing that has concerned me about this team as a whole is I don't know if they have faith in Jake Fromm. Yeah, like, it seems that way. It really does. Like, even with the game on the line, it's like they'll do anything they can not to put the ball in his hands, I feel like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And it's so concerning and alarming on so many different levels. Like, if your college head coach does not have, you know, doesn't have faith in you to push forward and you know get the job done then why should any nfl quarterback or nfl head coach have mm -hmm. any faith in you to put the game on the line i mean i, I like jake Fromm. i do he's 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 tumbled on mine as well and it's kind of hard because i had him at three you are a lot higher than i was on him but i even said on that episode that i felt like in in five years jake Fromm could be the best quarterback in this class and I don't know how I feel about that statement anymore. I think that he can still be very good in the right system, but he's been very inconsistent and kind of been all over the place this year. His his the one thing that you said that hit it right in the head was like we bragged about how accurate he was as a quarterback, and now it's like what happened? You know what I mean? It, it's it's very alarming, and and you said that spot on. It's very alarming. Well, and I've got it pulled up here, so I'm just going to jot through it. Basically, you know, game one up until the current point, he started off, you know, 65.2% on the first game, but he was at 90.9, 77.3, 76.9, 82.8. And then something happened in that South Carolina game. He threw the ball 51 times. Um and he was only 54.9% completion rate. And then again, against Kentucky, 75%, but he threw the ball 12 times. And then against Florida, which I will say, in that Florida game, I did – he kind of started to restore my faith a little bit. Obviously not enough for me to keep him at number one. <laughs> but um, he did look, look every bit of what I would like to see. He still had his moments from – like, what what are, you, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. But 66.7 completion percentage in that game. He went 20 of 30, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 279 yards. So he looked good in that Florida game against a very good defense. Um, so that was a definitely, that's definitely a positive note to take from that. But given what we've seen as a whole, you know, because yeah, a guy can have a phenomenal game. Not that that's a phenomenal game, but you get my point. You can have one amazing game. That doesn't change what you've done over the course of eight, nine games. So I, 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 I never thought I would say this, never thought I'd say it, but I hope he comes back for his senior season. I really do. Um, I just don't think he has played well enough to warrant coming out. And if he does, I honestly don't think the team takes him, um, before the third round. I really don't, you know, unless they're just that needy and, you know, the organization, their players that they really, really high on are gone already Then maybe the second round, but I just don't think he has performed to the level of, of a first um, or even a second round draft pick. And I think the third round teams might feel like they're reaching on him at this point. Yeah. And that's the thing though. Like, I mean, if you look at some of his numbers, they're kind of bloated by just a, a few certain games. Like, I mean, even the Notre Dame game. Yeah. He had 76% completion percentage, but he only had 187 yards. He averaged seven yards a, a, a pass. I mean, the Murray state game, 10 of 11. So that 90% obviously bumps up his, you know, completion for percentage. sure. Nine of twelve for thirty-five yards. You average two point nine yards per you know per attempt. Like that's 
that's a, like it's brutal. But that again, that was seventy five percent. So his numbers get bloated because of those particular games where he was just he wasn't great, but his you know he completed mm-hmm. oh I completed seventy five percent of his passes. So it's a very deceiving. He don't get me wrong, he's a career high this year, seventy percent completion percentage. But it's a very deceiving seventy percent completion percentage, and and he's averaging. You know, one yard per, you know, one less per yard per, t- per attempt this year. He's Q- QBR is down this year. And you're right. I mean, his t- his interceptions, he's already, you know, he's got a, three of them on the year. He had five all of last year on uh, 272 attempts. You know what I mean? So, and yep. and it's going to be interesting to see what he does, you know, throughout the rest of the year. But I, 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 I'm kind of on board with you. Like, I, I sh- he should maybe consider coming back because the big test for him is going to be that Auburn game. And if he doesn't pass yep. that test, it's he he might as well just go ahead and come back. And that's well, and, and 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 I wasn't really on that mindset of things until I looked a little bit deeper at their roster. Not overly deep, kind of still that top range of things. When you look at it, yes, DeAndre Swift. If he came back, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I don't see sure. that happening. But you got to assume DeAndre Swift and then Lawrence Cager. Those guys will be gone. They'll, they're going to either obviously declare for the draft or just kind of call it quits on the football level. But nonetheless, but when you look and, and then Demetrius Robertson, um, he's been one of his top targets um, on, on on the field this year. Um, I think he comes back as well. I don't think he declares for the draft. Um, so and then he's got George Pickens. He's got some younger talent that that can be or that will be coming back next season because they're not eligible to declare or they may just come back, you know, kind of for their senior season type thing. So he's going to have some talent. And then Zamir White out of the backfield, he's got some other running backs, you know, that, that are definitely going to help. Not necessarily that they're a DeAndre Swift, um, but it's one of those where they are still very, very talented, highly recruited running backs coming out of high school. So he will have a lot of talent coming back to help him. And I just think that extra year could do him a lot of good. I, I just think that I hope he comes back for his sake. Um, if he doesn't, then, you know, more power to him. But like I said, probably more times than I can remember saying it, but he he's just not helping himself this season. And it breaks my heart to say, because I just, I loved Jake from going into the season and expected a lot of things from him. Yeah. So if you look at the grand scheme of things, you got Burrow, you got Herbert, you got Tui, you got Eason, and you've got Hertz, five quarterbacks that are more than likely going to be taken in the upper echelon of mm-hmm. the draft. Okay. And we haven't even had a guy break out like Daniel Jones. You know what I mean? Like nobody was expecting Daniel Jones to be a first round pick. Senior Bowl, he killed it. You know, his pro days was killing it. Got drafted in the top half of the first round this year. You know what I mean? So nobody was expecting that. So that's five guys you're expecting already to blow the doors off of it. So there hasn't even been a Senior Bowl yet, and you haven't seen anybody really break out. So, I mean, once you get down to the brass tactics of things, like let's just say Costello. Costello goes and, and has a fantastic senior bowl, breaks out. Then he's ahead of Fromm, maybe. And then maybe Ellinger, you know, has a good, you know, a good pro day, good combine, good whatever. You have all these other quarterbacks that could really rise their you know, Anthony Gordon, like I talked about earlier. If any of these mm-hmm. guys rise their stock between now and then and have that solid year, he's he's going backwards. You know what I mean? Like he's he's literally going exactly. backwards. And 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 you're right. I think he could benefit from being, I mean, there's some good quarterbacks in the in the class next year as well. But I think that he would really benefit from coming back for another year. And I've mentioned his name. 100%. Uh, I've mentioned his name a couple times now. And, and the guy that my guy, my stock down guy is, it's Sam Ellinger. Okay, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Okay, so when I initially did my rankings, I had him higher than I think anybody in the entire country had him. I had Ellinger at my fifth slot. And a lot of that was over the first course of the first season. Obviously, the big game against LSU where he really, like, as I was honing in, obviously, with, you know, waving the Joe Burrow flag, as I was honing in watching Burrow really play, you know, a lights-out game against, you know, against this um, against this Texas team, I saw the same thing from Sam Ellinger in that game. He scored, you know, five total touchdowns. He had well over 460 yards of total offense. He has looked bad. He looked bad against TCU. Bad against yeah, TCU. Yeah. 45% completion percentage. He threw four interceptions in that game. I, I just look, I understand guys are gonna have bad games. Okay. I, I'm I'm one thousand percent aware of that. Okay. To me, Ellinger, I, I think it, it, to be honest with you, Ellinger, I think should come back for a senior year, period. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't really see a reason why him coming out this year. 
I think another year in this offense, another year with some of these other studs under his belt, I think that he would benefit benefit from that massively. Last year, he had a five a five uh, TD uh, TD to interception ratio. This year, he's got a three point three. He's throw. He's already got more interceptions than he did last year, and a hundred almost a hundred less attempts. Um, his completion percentage is okay. It's up uh, up a tick. His rushing is up a little bit this year as well, but there has been times where I'm watching this kid play and I'm like, what are you doing? The West Virginia game, he was terrible in that game. He had 18 completions, 211 yards. The two, the, he had the two touchdowns and interception. Yes, that was the 54% completion ratio. That really was just like, what are you thinking? So if you take out his first uh, three games where he had 11 touchdowns, zero picks, okay? Since then, he's had... You know, eight, nine, 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Okay, so you see a mass difference in the first three versus the last five. You know what I mean? That's a big difference. You know what I mean? It's a mm-hmm. massive difference. Seven interceptions in five games so far. So that's, that's he's actually accounted for eight turnovers in five in his last five games. And including the Oklahoma game, yeah, he had two rushing touchdowns in that Oklahoma game. But he looked bad in that Oklahoma game. He looked very bad at times. And he kind of looked lost out there. And that's the part that kind of worried me a little bit about him. Like I am like I said, I mean, I think that when he's in the pocket and he gets very, uh, he gets very skittish in the pocket. He gets very, very yep. skittish in the pocket. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me follow this up by saying a few good things about Ellinger, okay? Because I, I, I like Ellinger still, but like with Fromm, you know, he's he slid down the radar a little bit. Red zone. He is pitch perfect in the red zone, okay? He's got a 65, 64% completion ratio. Not not perfect, but Stoops and I have, as we dive into this a little bit more and we understand some of these stats, 64% completion ratio, that's pretty good because we don't know how many of the 16 incompletions he had were thrown away. You know what I mean? Maybe he threw the ball away. You know what I mean? We don't know that. Mm-hmm. So 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the red zone. Zero. And he's got four rushing touchdowns in the red zone as well. So don't get me wrong. There's some stats that I really like about Ellinger, but he is not taking care of the ball the way he took care of the ball last year. And that, to me, obviously is very, very, very worrisome about him. Um, I, I, Stoops, what, how do you feel about it? Do, do you agree with my statement in saying that he would probably like from benefit from that senior season? I completely agree. And I think another thing that has hurt him this season um, is injuries at those skill positions. You know, you especially when you look at the running backs that, that he's had to deal with. I mean, they pulled what I think he was a backup quarterback or moved to receiver, then moved to running back. Like they, they just had to move these guys around so much because of all the injuries. Um, Colin Johnson, he's missed some time. Um, it's just one of those things where a lot of his top guys – have, have been hurt or missed some sort of time, which I think has hurt him. Cause again, with a, as a quarterback, you want to build that, that chemistry with your guys For and sure. when they're missing time, that doesn't help with that. But nonetheless, um, being a top, top talent, you've got to kind of work past that. You've got to, you've got to figure that out and, and, and just make it now Devin Duvernay, on the other hand, he's been absolutely lights out. They've got an unbelievable chemistry, but to answer your question, yes. I think coming back for a senior season, I think would would do him wonders. Um, and, and let's say this: he comes back, and we can say the same thing for Jake Fromm. If both of them come back and they do the same type of thing next year, then I think that really says that speaks volumes for who they truly are as a quarterback. You know. Yep. Will they transition to the next level? Hey, we've seen it for two years in a row. Jake from a little bit longer, um, but we've seen it for two, three years in a row, and they're still just being a kind of a mediocre quarterback. You know, they're not really progressing because you want to see that. You can you can understand having a first year as a starter, like yeah, they looked okay. I saw some things, and then that second year they make a leap. Third year they make that that ultimate leap and say, this is the guy. We can see him on the next level. But if you've got two, three years in a row and it's essentially the same thing that's going to open a lot of scouts eyes and basically let them know, Hey, he, he's still a, a project, you know, which again, NFL teams will, will take a chance on that, especially at the quarterback position. Yep. So, but that just ultimately what that means is, Hey, you're a third, fourth, fifth undrafted potentially type of guy, you know, who will get called to the, the, um, the uh, preseason rosters and stuff like that and try to make your way on that way, which guys have done, but ultimately, yeah, coming back for a senior season, 
And I think that's going to do him wonders. Um, get some some get some guys back healthy. Some of the guys will obviously be be going to the NFL because they're seniors, or they just ultimately declare because they've actually had pretty solid seasons. But coming back, I think will do him wonders for sure. I agree. All right, so that's going to transition perfect for our top 10. Stoops, kick us off with your top five. I'll give my top five. You'll give your bottom five, and I'll give my bottom five, and we'll kind of put a, a bow on this episode of the quarterback talk. All right, so for me, my number one, my new number one um, is old Joe Cool Burrow. Got him sitting at number one now. Uh, number two, um, that one hasn't changed for me, but I got Justin Herbert. Tua sitting at number three. Um, another guy I really, really like, Jacob Eason, uh, sitting at number four. And then I moved Jalen Hurts into my top five. Okay, yeah, so I guess I could have said that said that as well. So there, there were some changes as well. Burrow, one, obviously. He's Burrow's, you know, been one I hear there. But Herbert, two. I like just uh, – Herbert has impressed me the last few games. I'm, I'm going to throw that yeah. out there. I think Herbert's a stud, and I wish people would stop the slander towards that man because I think he's really good. I actually and one thing I'm not trying to interrupt you. I'm no, not trying to, fine. but one thing, and I've even said it. His accuracy is a concern at times, but when you look at his completion percentage on the whole season compared to these other guys, he's at 69.4 percent. Tua, not to not to jump, but he's at 74.2, which again, you know, that that's a five percent, you know, difference. Um, but some other guys, 65.3 for for Eason. You know, uh, Joe's obviously up at 79.2. He's just on a different level right now. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, my point being. There's other guys who are they they don't give him this they don't tell hey all this accuracy issues but everyone talks about it with Herbert myself included yep. but when you look at it as a whole he's pretty even with just about everybody else it just so happens his happened to be at key points of a game so it felt more but anyway yeah go ahead. and that's I think that's the biggest problem everybody's had with Herbert from you know from moment go is everybody doesn't think that he can you know slam the door shut on the games and he does have that problem mm-hmm. but. You know, for me, I like the kid. I think he's good. I think that he's improved. I think he's improved this year. I mean, first off, he's improved his accuracy this year. I mean, his his completion percentage is, is up 10 points from last year. That's that's impressive. You know what I mean? I mean, his interceptions are down this year. He's only got two so far this year. I mean, people, like, I think people find reasons to nitpick him just because he's so highly talked about and he's so highly touted that it's easy to pick on him. And to be honest with you, I, I don't understand it. I mean, he only threw his second interception of the year last week against uh, against USC, but he was fantastic. 21-26, 225, three touchdowns and an interception. Like, I mean, it, it obviously that interception sucks, but that's 80% passer completion. You know, it, it he had a very impressive game against USC. A USC team that had been... They've been in and out of games, but they've been pretty impressive on, in some of their games. But I like Herbert a lot, and I think, obviously, if it wasn't for how good Joe Burrow has been this year, I think Herbert would be my runaway number one with no questions. Yep. Um, yep. But to me personally, I think it's Burrow 1A and Bur- and Herbert 1B, and and I'm okay with that. Two uh, slid from 4 to 3. Um, Eason went from 6 to 4 on my list, and then Fromm went from 3 to 5. From Fromm took a big dip, uh, two slots, but honestly, I had a problem putting it at five. But I think my 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 love for Fromm just kept him there. So, um, what do you got six through ten? So number six, um, that's where I've slotted in Jake Fromm. As I said, he was my number one uh, last, you know, when we released the rankings. But he moved down to number six for me. Um, could have moved him down further, probably. But again, my love for Jake Fromm, my my. Um, hopes you know i guess that he does start to turn things around in these last couple games of the season um definitely definitely keeping him there at six for me so number seven i've got jamie newman um who i mentioned in my my moving up type of guy so jamie newman number seven i got sam ellinger at number eight nate stanley at number nine who's a guy you've talked about um i think you talked about him um if i remember correctly it was on whenever we did the the conference specific you know yeah Yeah. episodes he was one of the guys that you talked about yeah. Um, Nate Stanley, number nine. And then number 10, I've got Charlie Brewer, who a lot of guys don't talk about. And he's not necessarily an elite top prospect. But, man, if you watch his games, dude is a competitor. He is an absolute competitor. Um, if you haven't watched a Baylor game, they're they're good, and it's a fun game to watch. I, I think, and this is me going on kind of a tangent, but I would not be shocked if they win the Big 12. Um I think they are a better team than what a lot of people are expecting. Will Oklahoma probably win? Sure. But I wouldn't be shocked if Baylor comes in and, and wins the Big 12. Yeah, that's it. That, 
that's a I like I like I like that's a bold strategy there, Captain. I like it a whole lot. <laughs> um, I got Hurts at six. I, I don't last last uh, last last time we talked about him, I had seven, so he moved up a slot. Um, obviously with Ellinger moving down at at seven, I have actually have Nate Stanley at number seven. I I like Stanley. He hasn't been overly impressive, but. He's one guy I personally feel like needs to be watched. I feel like once he gets um, he gets put through the ringer, I think that Stanley's going to be talked about a whole lot. I think that he could potentially be that guy you and I were talking about earlier that could be that Daniel Jones. I mean, maybe he doesn't sneak into the first round, but maybe he sneaks up draft boards um, heading into the after he does all that stuff. I actually have um, Anthony Gordon slotted at my eight. Um, he was unranked last month. I've got Costello at nine, who moved up from ten to nine, and then I've got Ellinger at ten. Ellinger was my obviously as I talked about him, he was my biggest biggest dropper. He went from five to ten. Um, I, I it, it it was kind of easy for me to do because I just I, I the more I think about Ellinger, the more I just want him to come back for a senior year and 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 in hopes that he can improve upon the year that he's having because he's not having a terrible year, but. Uh, Texas has got a lot of talent, and I think that they could really live up to some of that uh, expectation that they had this year, next year, with some uh, some fresh talent coming in as well. So that's the top ten. We revitalized it. I, what I'm going to do um, after we post the podcast, I'm going to rehash it. I will post it out for everybody to see my one through ten, so that everybody can see. Stoops and I are in the process of making our rankings accessible to everybody. Um, we plan on doing that in the near future. I think we're going to try to release that sometime in November. Um, but folks, make sure to, to do us a favor. Head on over to expandtheboxscore.com. Check out all the DFS tools we've got. We've got basketball. We've got football. We've got. I mean, we've got it all right now. We college football. We got NFL. It's crazy the amount of stats that we're providing. Um, use the code word uh, Stoops. And you get ten percent off the uh, the main tool. We've got plenty of podcasts. I love the college uh, the the uh, NBA podcast that these guys do. The, I think it's called the Pick and Roll. It's fantastic. Yep. I've listened to it a couple of times. It's a pretty good show. Make sure to do us a favor. Uh, follow Stoops on Twitter at Stoops nineteen ninety. Yeah, I don't know why. I just forgot your Twitter name. <laughs> I don't know. I tag you in so much stuff. I don't know how I remember. I forgot about it. Uh, give the show a follow um, at the Debbie Delight. Um, we we retweet everything on there, but we uh, we also talk a lot of uh, college football and got a lot of guys on there. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. See y'all later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.